0: you <laughs> Welcome back. Hopefully, for you, no more than a week has passed since our last episode. For us, it's been nearly three. Our intention was to get a jump on episodes, and it looks like we got a whole jump of a week and a half. Uh, A
1: whole dose of COVID in between.
0: Uh, For you. Uh, As of yet, I have not, to my knowledge, caught COVID. Um, Yeah, between COVID, snowstorms, weird work schedules... Um, lack of energy, uh, and the fact that we just finished up an excruciatingly long uh, movie. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. I wish you had been awake for the other one uh, yeah. rather than this one. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, the, the fun part of all this, today we will be doing a, a double feature episode again. Uh, those will probably be common. As uh, it's easy to sit down and watch a movie, it is hard to sit down watch a movie and then record a podcast, especially as our schedule seems to get busier and busier uh, as the year progresses. Um, but uh, today we are going to be covering uh, X-Men Days of Future Past and X-Men Apocalypse, um, both films by Bryan Singer, uh, both films sequels to X-Men First Class. Um, and uh, they are not created equal. Uh, they're they're both most certainly X Men uh, movies. They they are probably the uh, I would say the the most comic booky of the X Men films. X Men First Class is really close, um, but we'll get into the details of these here in a minute. But we'll play a little bit of catch up we've had a couple of blizzards since the last time we recorded uh you caught covid um we both got honest to goodness into tiktok um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as of yet we don't have anything on tiktok but i'm not gonna say never uh just because we're weird people and sometimes we like to try out fads just like everyone else yeah um
1: but I feel like right now our evenings consist of uh, we'll sit here we'll turn on a sitcom but then it's like you and me just sending TikToks to each other all night.
0: Yeah, after about 30 minutes I usually end up turning off the sit- sitcom. And I don't
1: realize you've turned it off for another 45 minutes. And <laughs> and we're just
0: we're just shooting the funniest videos to each other. But, um no, it's it's been fun. Uh, I will say that TikTok is just like every other social media out there except because it's video based uh, it's, a lot, it's a lot more fun to sit and enjoy um, rather than scrolling through a bunch of static memes or uh, arguments in comment sections. Yeah. Um, a lot of TikToks do have comment sections, but I avoid them like I avoid comment sections everywhere else um so uh if you're looking for us on tiktok both of us are on there you can find us if you have our contact info um we're not putting anything out just yet uh but again i'll never say never so uh outside of that we've been consuming so much television we're about to wrap up uh New Girl, you've been watching through all of the extended superfan episodes yeah, of The Office. I've, I've
1: watched all that they have so far. I'm ready for them to put the next batch on there, whenever that will be.
0: Yes. And I I have to be honest, I'm glad that those are on there for you. It gives you an excuse to watch through The Office and me not roll my eyes. <laughs> yes. Um Because I'll, I'll tell you right now, sometimes when you decide to do your 14th 15th or 16th watch through the office I am so tired of dunder mifflin <laughs> I I'm like okay I'm gonna go do something else I'm gonna chop firewood or <laughs>
1: I'm,
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna go you know walk the neighbor's dog I'm gonna do, <laughs> do so. I'm gonna do chores that I don't have to do to not be here
1: I'm loving this thing Super fan, super fan cuts because they're um it's like there's so much more content it actually makes some of the things that they do make sense on that
0: yes you know crazy way and most of you by now if you have a social media account have probably seen the cold open that was a lost cold open um of uh Michael's uh, invention. Yeah. Um, There is more to it and uh, a payoff in that episode. Um, They're worth checking out if you have Peacock. If you don't have Peacock, don't worry about it. (laughs) Um, They're still the same episodes. It's just more.
1: Yeah. They just add the deleted scenes that they send it. They're like, instead of 22-minute episodes, they're anywhere from 35 to 40-minute episodes. But it's Mm been fun to watch.
0: So... Uh, again, as always, if you have high-speed internet, there is so much content out there. There is more content that you will ever be able to consume. All of it, uh, right now, it ranges everywhere from very family-friendly and kid-friendly all the way up to very not kid-friendly. <laughs> uh, I've been enjoying James Gunn's uh, the, the Peacemaker uh, TV series. And uh, let me tell you right now, that is the most not family-friendly TV <laughs> show you could watch. However, it is also probably the most fun I've had with a DC Comics project in a while. Um, and I think it's because James Gunn got the memo that these were comic book characters. And comic book characters can be fun and they can also be gross and they can also be really violent and he somehow managed to make a tv series that's all those things again very not family friendly Uh, i do not recommend it to any kids but if you are over the age of 18 uh, and you've got an hbo max uh membership be aware it is extreme but it is fun um Outside of that, one of my favorite podcasts, Critical Role, they just had their animated series took off uh, in uh, The Legend of Vox Machina and on Amazon Prime, and again, easily one of the least family-friendly things I have watched in recent days, but if you enjoy Cri- the Critical Role podcast and you ever wondered what it would translate to as an anime, check it out. It's worthwhile. <laughs> But outside of that, most of what we've been doing is just uh, enjoying things together as much as we can. And then it's picking up stuff here and there. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll finish up X-Men in the next little bit. Uh, The next episode for you, dear listener, should be out uh, a week after you hear this one. But uh, after that, uh, I'm not sure what we're going to do next. Uh, This month alone, we're going to go see a few movies... Uh including uh Moonfall and Betsy asked me what that was about and I said it's in the title. <laughs> uh we're gonna be going and seeing uh uh The Godfather uh re-release, which uh is in my top ten favorite films. Uh <laughs> Casablanca, Godfather, Beauty and the Beast, uh are probably my top three, and I would need a few minutes to fill out the rest. Field of Dreams is in there. Um, but uh, I'm excited to watch that. Betsy is less excited to watch it, but she's going to go with me.
1: just um, going to go with you. I am not really excited about it.
0: <laughs> we'll go to Cheesecake Factory.
1: Alright, that sounds like a plan.
0: Or we'll go somewhere where we can get a cannoli so I can make Godfather references before we go see the Godfather. <laughs> Anyhow, um, yeah, we've, we've got a lot of stuff that we're going to enjoy. We're going um, to continue trying to record with some regularity. Uh, at some point, we may go to every other week uh, in recording if we get uh, caught up to present as far as recording and we just need time between episodes. Um, some things I would like to cover this year. Uh, this is not a promise. This is a, hey, speculating on things we would like to do. Uh, I would like to uh, re-watch uh, some of the Phase 4 Marvel from the past year leading into uh, Multiverse of Madness in May, uh, and I would like to do a recap on where the Marvel Cinematic Universe is. Not watching everything, but giving you a heads up of where things are. Uh, I'm not sure how that will come about, I'm not sure when, I'm not sure if. <laughs> uh, but I would love to do that. Also, I'd like to revisit some old stuff. I'd like to revisit the uh, the Planet of the Apes films, uh, the newer ones, um, with Andy Serkis. Uh, I would like to uh, I would like to watch through the Disney remakes. Oh yeah, um, I, I get
1: on board with that one really quick.
0: I would like to watch through the Star Trek films. Uh, I have all sorts of things I would like to do. Uh, but we're going to feel that out. We're going to take it one step at a time. And uh, especially if we have as interesting a month as we've had this past month, <laughs> uh, we'll get in where we can get in. We're going to keep trying to bring you stuff as consistently as possible. Um, but thanks for sticking with us. In the meantime, we're going to take a brief break. When we come back, we're going to talk about X-Men Days of Future Past. Uh, more accurately, I will talk about X-Men Days of Future Past, and then we will talk about <laughs> X-Men Apocalypse, and again, that will probably mostly be me, but Betsy will talk about how long the movie was. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be back in just one moment. days future past uh the film was released uh 2014 we actually saw it in theaters whether you remember it it or not i don't remember it we did see it in theaters we saw it in theaters after uh we had gone to chattanooga actually um yeah it was a fun year uh anyhow
1: (laughs) i will say i had covid when you turned it on yep And I fell asleep 15 minutes into it. I woke up during the last 15 minutes. I had insomnia with COVID. And that is the only time I slept the entire time I
0: had COVID. Which means we need to watch more X-Men movies (laughs) so you can sleep better. Um, So, uh, out of curiosity, what do you remember of the plot of X-Men Days of Future Past? What you don't know, what... Fill in the blanks. So tell me the story. Tell me the basic story of X-Men Days of Future Past uh, in two minutes. All right. Ready?
1: <laughs> now you're putting me on this thought.
0: Yeah. I'm going to give you a five-second okay. count in to collect your thoughts. So five, four, three, two, one, two two, one. Two minutes. Go. Tell me. Tell me what it's about
1: about them finding all the, the kids that are different and then
0: there's a big war. You just described half the Harry Potter movies. <laughs> and ironically, <laughs> and ironically, not this X-Men movie. You also did that uh, did in 20 wrong, seconds. I
1: did the wrong movie? Yes. I don't know. They're, they're all, it's funny. I don't remember. like, <laughs> I slept in 2000. Okay, so, uh,
0: Days of Future Past, for all you comic nerds out there who are just like shaking right now and are just like, he needs to divorce her right now. Guys, sorry, I'm not going to divorce my wife because she's ignorant. Uh, Just, no, there's so much great about her. Her ignorance is one of those qualities I'm okay with. I'm okay with her having these gaps because it allows me to talk about this and she sleeps better after. (laughs) um but uh x-men days of future past is based on a comic uh line from i want to say 1980 1981 uh it's a very early uh chris claremont x-men story from the pages of x-men right after the dark phoenix saga right after the character of kitty pride has been introduced in the story uh which starts out in the far-flung future of, I believe, 2013. Um, Kitty Pride and, and a batch of ragtag mutants decide they have to go back in time to stop the post-apocalyptic future in which Sentinels have oppressed both mutant and humankind uh, and devastated the world. Kitty Pride goes forward, stops uh, the Brotherhood of In this evil mutants uh, from kidnapping uh, a senator and executing him and they save it and everything's better and yay we stopped the evil future Uh, the story is notable because in the far-flung future uh, several mainline X-Men mainstays including storm Colossus and Wolverine are all killed on panel Um, and it was it was a two-part just really interesting comic story, especially for the time. It was very dark. It was very uh, moody. It was it was an interesting time travel story. It was kind of revolutionary for the time. Since that book came out, we have gotten movies like Terminator, Terminator 2, Terminator 3, Terminator Genesis. Uh, almost all of these have come out during the X Men franchise being in theaters, uh, and they all play with this time travel story. We got all three Back to the Future films. Um, in the 1990s, they adapted this story on the X-Men uh, animated series. This time, instead of Kitty Pride, it was Bishop, a contemporary X-Men who had made the cut, a regular cast member, uh, who got to travel back in time and stop the assassin, ass- uh, assassination of Senator Kelly by the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Uh, It's an interesting take on it. They do the whole story in roughly two uh, 20-minute episodes, uh, and it works really well, just the same as the original cartoon worked really well. Which brings us to 2014. Uh, For some reason, they thought that Days of Future Past would be a great follow-up to the original X-Men story of X-Men First Class, And so they decide to tell a story that is going to simultaneously continue uh, the story of X-Men First Class, but it will also tie up all of the loose ends of the original X-Men trilogy. It's a big order. Um, It mostly succeeds Uh, it fails on a couple of small little nitpicky levels but as a movie it's really entertaining it's really great Uh, for one thing having Hugh Jackman back as Wolverine as one of the main leads is phenomenal Uh, setting a majority of the movie either in uh, the 1970s or in an apocalyptic 2023 either one of those is fantastic it it's it's mood setting and both of them are alien enough that any inaccuracies are acceptable because they're far enough away from you in what life is actually like that you enjoy it Uh, fun fact about uh, (laughs) X-Men Days of Future Past one of our cats is going nuts because she got into the catnip uh, that's in one of her toys. And so she is wound up and she might go rob a bank. Just don't use the car, okay? Don't use the car. Can you pick me up a Slurpee while you're out? All right, here's my card. Okay. Anyhow, our cat said something about Federal Reserve. I'm back already. Okay. Um,. Anyhow uh, So there are two versions of this film Uh, There's the theatrical cut Which is uh, a lean Over two hours Um, And it's It's really good It's um, It flows really well Uh, Characters all get Their moment to shine uh, While carrying A good amount of dramatic weight uh, there is a, uh, another cut that involves uh, a significant character from X-Men lore uh, who was cut for runtime, and it just kind of changes the dynamic and the mood a bit. Uh, X-Men the Rogue Cut, where the character of Rogue was entirely cut out of the theatrical cut of the film, is restored into the Rogue Cut. Both versions are good. Uh, it's kind of a preference thing, uh, the same as uh, the difference between Lord of the Rings, the theatrical cuts versus the extended cuts. Uh, the theatrical cut is the director's cut. It flows the way the movie is supposed to flow. It flows well as a piece of film. However, the extended cut or the road cut flows as a book or a comic book and you get to fill in all of those nice little windows of why did this happen? why did that happen? Uh, and it's, it's nice to see it's nice to have it's not a necessity some people would argue it having watched both versions I don't think you lose anything without Rogue I don't think it hurts anything for Rogue to be there um both work in parallel with each other both work just as well so that's my personal opinion but uh i'll get down to the plot of the film because you don't remember any of it yeah so in the far-flung future of 2023 uh mankind and mutant kind both are oppressed by the shape-shifting sentinels uh the Mutants are on the run, the ragtag group of X-Men will hide in a place uh, as they scrounge for supplies, the Sentinels will attack, and it appears they wipe everyone out, except all of a sudden everyone disappears. We find out that Kitty Pride has gained the ability to cast someone's, uh, someone's consciousness back through time uh, a few days so that they can warn everyone and avoid capture. So, all of their hiding places are starting to dry up and they realize eventually they're not going to be able to run anymore. So, what they do is they decide if they had someone whose mind could heal from the process of being cast through time. Uh, they would send someone back to a time where they could change the future. Uh, send them back, alter events, uh, and set right what once went wrong. And before you can say Quantum Leap, uh, Wolverine has volunteered and is sent back to the past. Wolverine goes back, uh, confronts the cast of the X-Men First Class films, and uh, gets the gang together, goes and rescues Magneto from being in prison at the Pentagon for assassinating John F. Kennedy. Uh, In the process, we get one of the coolest characters in this film who is used for approximately a scene and a half, and that is Pietro Maximoff, Quicksilver, uh, who uh, just gets an astounding rescue scene in the Pentagon. We leave there, and all of a sudden... As soon as the band is together, they are pulled apart uh, by the ideological differences of Magneto and Professor X. Magneto believes that, yes, we have to stop the humans from oppressing us with these sentinels. Professor X is like, no, we can unite, we can do better. Uh, And all of this leads to a several scenes long uh, conflict with Mystique caught right in the middle. Uh, Mystique has not gone through with killing her first person yet, and the process of her doing that is what uh, Professor X in the future has decided is the thing that would tip the balance. And so the whole movie is kind of a war for her soul. It's, it's It's a war for her making her decision of who she will be. And... We get really great scene where uh, we find out that Professor X has given up his powers uh, to be able to walk uh, after being shot in the spine in the previous film. Over the course of the film, he has to uh, reckon with his own running from his destiny. And eventually, as his powers are starting to return, he talks to Wolverine, and Wolverine basically acts as a conduit. To allow Professor X to talk to his future self and it's this interesting moment that deals with a hypothetical I often think about of if I ever came face to face with my younger self what would I say what would I coach my younger self to do and in this film Professor X is reaching back to his younger self And he's like, look, I know you hear all the voices. I know you feel all the pain. And I know it's horrible. But I don't think you understand. You're the only person who can hold all that. You're the only person who can take all that and turn it into something different. And you've got to keep holding on to it. You've got to keep fighting. You can't give up. They need you. And it's this beautiful moment between Patrick Stewart and James McAvoy in the film. And it's just really well acted and really well scripted. And it drives the younger Professor X to pursue his destiny. And the end of the the climactic end of the film is on the front steps of the White House where Magneto drops an entire baseball stadium on the White House. And reprogram sentinels to, to attack humans and it's this big comic book conflict and it all comes down to Mystique protecting the president and the people who were trying to kill her instead of trying to kill the people who were trying to kill her and the film ends Wolverine is uh, drowned and wakes up in the future and it's a different future and everyone that he had kn- known who passed away who died is now alive and they're all in the expansion and it's uh it's great to see act- actors like Kelsey Grammer, uh Famke Janssen, uh and I'm blanking on uh, Scott Summers' actor it's crap he's on 30 Rock he's on Westworld James Marston Um, but bringing back all of those actors and kind of giving closure to that original X-Men trilogy is nice Uh, is continuity off a little bit? yeah but it's okay it's okay it's a good send off for those characters and i really really appreciate it and as a film it works really really well and to date it might be outside of a select few marvel cinematic universe films my favorite comic book movie that's not an adaptation of of other source material but where it's its own story um It uses some elements of the Days of Future Past story, but it's its own story. And I enjoy it a lot, which is why it's really hard to talk about the next film. And we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about a film that I'm going to tell you right now, I like, but I don't love. And I'm going to tell you what's awesome about it, and what just really holds it back. We'll get back to X-Men Apocalypse when we come back. Uh, and I'd like to apologize for the past couple of segments are uh, dryer running and being really loud. I had to wash my sweatshirt with a zipper and it's louder than normal so i apologize if you heard that and if you didn't good for you
1: yeah i don't think we realized how loud it was until it just
0: (laughs) i I did but i want to record while i'm still semi-awake um so x-men days of future past kind of ties a neat little bow on x-men and sets it up to have a new start uh the x-men old franchise is ridden off into the sunset the new actors are here to stay and so it leaves us in an interesting place leaving the 1970s um wolverine is back in custody and his timeline will play out normally and what are we going to do after that and i've read an interesting interview with Matthew Vaughn, the director of X-Men First Class, and he actually has gone on the record as saying that he went to the producers and told them that Days of Future Past is a second movie was a colossal mistake. He has gone on the record as saying, look, you send these guys who went on this First Class mission on another set of mission, and maybe you, you have a, a you have some of them suffer and then Days of Future Past is is the summation, is the wrap-up, is the is the period at the end of that sentence. You don't leave yourself anywhere to go, really. Because thematically, everyone has ended up where they need to be. Magneto's a villain. He has landed in his role as villain. Mm-hmm. Charles has chosen hope and he's gonna pursue hope. Uh, the rest of the class is the school will continue and it it's an end Days of Future Past is is an end and then you keep going and it's, it's the problem that a lot of sequels have, it's that they're following up a movie that was never intended to be a continuing story, it's just more and as you add more, there's a lot to enjoy. And, and I want to say that from the get-go. I do not regret watching X-Men Apocalypse. I've seen it now two or three times, and I've enjoyed it. It's a long movie. It's two and a half hours. And for a movie that's well-acted, well-cast for the most part... Um, it has some major flaws as, as far as plotting and and uh, costume choices. Uh it it's kind of, it's kind of a mess, but it's also very much like the late 80s X-Men comic books and a late 80s cartoon. And I mean that in both the best and worst ways. In the best ways of... If you pick up X-Men, let's say, uh, 185. I don't know which issue that is, so don't ask me. Um, I should have gone with something I knew, like 137. Um, (laughs) But if you pick up X-Men issue 182, you're picking up, and every, every issue... Because it's the 1980s, and they don't expect you to read every Marvel comic book. Um, Because we hadn't reached the 90s yet. I'll have some commentary in just a moment. Um, But in the 1980s, they figured more than likely you were picking up a book for the first time. Each week when you picked up X-Men, there were odds that you were picking it up for the first time. So, in every X-Men comic book, you have to explain who everyone is. You have to explain why they're angry or why they're dealing with what they're dealing with. You have to get them through a plot and you have to do all of this and wrap it up at the end of the book. Mm -hmm. And that's how you tell an X-Men story in the 1980s in a comic book. And maybe you serialize it a little bit more as you're becoming the number one book on shelves, but you don't do it before then. And this movie plays out a lot like that. Every character gets a reintroduction. Every character gets a reintroduction. And every character by the end of this movie has had an arc. It might not be a good arc, but every character has had an arc. And to give... I'm trying to think of how many characters I would consider for this film either a primary, secondary, or tertiary character. And I think there's five tiers of characters in this movie. So you've got Professor X, you've got uh, Mystique, you've got Magneto, and you've got Scott Summers, uh, and you've got Jean Grey. So you have five main characters, okay, that, that go through this. And then you have Storm, you have uh, Nightcrawler. You have... I'm not naming every character. I'm literally naming characters who have m- uh, good momentous introduction... And Quicksilver. And, and these are eight either primary or secondary characters who all get an introduction. They have a specified moment and an arc through the course of this film. And... They do this in two hours and 30 minutes. And it never really hits at the level of Days of Future Past. And I think that's what hurts this movie is Days of Future Past came before it. If this had come before Days of Future Past and if their order was swapped, I think it would be a better movie. I think I would view it as a better movie because this movie, just like those 1980s comic books or or a cartoon where you've got a, this might be the first time you're ever seeing this, beginning, middle, and end, and, and we're going to give you everything. Had it landed in in the middle and had it been an episode in the middle, I think it would have been fine. But in a lot of ways, this is set up to be a grand finale the end of this movie plays out like it's supposed to be avengers endgame or avengers infinity war and it's just not it's it's not return of the king it's not return of the jedi it's it feels like a an issue of a comic book or a saturday morning cartoon and if that is what you're after if that's what you're pursuing it's really good it works as either of those things a comic book or a cartoon it doesn't work as a two and a half hour movie and um, the the things I enjoy so much about this I enjoy uh the fact that Hugh Jackman comes back one last time in an X-Men film uh he will appear one more time after this as Wolverine but this is the last time he is in an X-Men film uh we get uh, we get a really good story of really the formation of the group of Cyclops, Gene Gray, and the school proper. We get a, we get a really fun set of fight scenes in this movie. At the end. The end is phenomenal. And honestly... It leads to a setup for a movie that I want that... Spoilers. You don't get. And and probably until the MCU gets this lineup of characters, you won't get. Um, And that is... You get the scene where they all line up. They all call themselves X-Men. And they're in comic-accurate costumes and they're in the danger room, and they're about to fight the Sentinels. And then it cuts to directed by Brian Singer. And that is an awesome comic book moment. Mm-hmm. And in a better movie, it'd be a great ending. Yeah. For this one, it's like, oh, well, you were just starting the movie I wanted to see, but thank you. <laughs> um, and then there's baffling decisions. Like the fact that everyone gets an updated costume except Psylocke, who still has to be in a skin tight one piece bathing suit and leggings. It's. Uh, I don't know who that is. Uh, it's Olivia Munn. She's the one who had the sword and stuff and was flipping around with the purple hair.
1: She's
0: not. It's. Okay. It's not worth. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, it's it's a problem I have with the character in the comic books as as well as Psylocke has to be in a bathing suit. Well, no, she doesn't. Um, and then you've got other things like the fact that characters just switch alliances. So willy nilly. Um, it reminds me of the episode of community where, uh, the Dean keeps double crossing everyone And so everyone's teaching everyone a a lesson and it's this continuous escalation of the game of who's double crossing who until eventually the D goes, I don't know which side I'm on anymore. I just wanted to be friends. And so it's first of all, that's a, that's a phenomenal episode of community. Uh, And uh, the punchline at the end of it is, Dean, go talk to your parents. Uh, (laughs) Or, Craig, go talk to your parents. Oh, speaking of which, uh, you know what that actor's name is, right? Who? The The Dean. It's Jim Rash. Someone's selling a house down the road from us, and it's sold by Jim Rash.
1: Nice.
0: So, Jim Rash, if you're out there, first of all, I love your work as a screenwriter and your work as a comedian is phenomenal but um if you are selling that house down the road from us uh give me a call i'll talk to you about it it's a nice house um anyhow uh (laughs) back to the movie that's not as good as community um this movie There's so many moments that are so close to it being great. Mm -hmm. Magneto at the beginning with his family uh, is a very powerful moment. And in this movie, I would argue, separated from all other X-Men movies, it makes sense. As a sequel to the last movie where he was a supervillain and ready to kill everyone when he leaves the screen it doesn't make sense yeah I slept in
1: the last one so I don't remember yet it's fine (laughs) again
0: as a movie in this movie I'm like did you watch the last movie yeah and they refer to the last movie a lot they've set Mystique up as this kind of mutant messiah that a lot of kids look up to because she she Outed herself to save the president, and there is a lot of fun in this movie. The quicks, the Quicksilver sequence where uh, he's saving people to sweet dreams, is pretty good. It's it's not as good as uh, Days of Future Past. If I could uh, put time in a bottle, um, it's it's good. It's not as good as the first time, and. I love his use in this movie. And then we get to the most disappointing part of this movie, and it's the title character of Apocalypse. And there's a few levels to, to why I, f- I feel this disappointment. First is, again, I've read all the comic books. I've watched all the cartoons. I've, uh, I've had the action figures and in comic books and TV apocalypse is this larger than life character, kind of literally, um, so much so that he led like a year or two long event series that had like 26 books. And he's this character who's super powered. He's like the first mutant. Um, he can literally change in size from like six foot two up to like 13, 14 feet. Um, there's a dream sequence, a dream battle in the movie where he changes size in in the uh, in the X mansion, and it's like, oh, it's all in in Professor X's head. It's he's not actually doing it, and um, and then they cast Oscar Isaac, who is a phenomenal actor, and you barely get any of. The emoting that Oscar Isaac, I'm sure, is doing under like 17 layers of makeup. Um and and Oscar Isaac, again, is a phenomenal actor, and, and the character in this has an interesting conceit. He's he's this mutant who is viewed as a god and he he kind of possesses new vessels where he becomes more and more powerful over time and then makes other mutants more powerful to kind of build himself up and tear down the world around him so that he can be the supreme ruler. Interesting stuff that kind of needs more weight and actual... I never felt fear for any and they blow up a considerable portion of the world. Yeah. But there's no there's no moment where I'm worried for a person or a people group. It's literally just buildings blowing up and falling over and there's no point of view mm-hmm. character to make me care. Yeah. Um I wanna give some examples of movies that do it really well. Um, Independence Day. In the movie Independence Day, uh, you have uh, a period of time where you've got people going through their every ordinary lives and then the aliens show up. And then once the aliens show up, you see these people reacting as the aliens' motives are mysterious. And then they react when the aliens attack. And you actually see several of those people Die yeah. Or get put into dangerous situations where, because you're seeing other characters die, you don't know if your main character, because it's an ensemble, is going to survive or not. And it makes for an interesting movie and a fun movie. Independence Day is not a weighty movie. It is not what I would call a super important movie or or well written movie yeah but it is well paced and well plotted and you when you make connections with characters and then you actually put them in danger you somewhat care and the few times that they would put someone in danger in this uh it actually added some weight and it made me feel sad of all the times that they didn't yeah for example uh at near the very end and the end is obscenely long it's almost 40 minutes Um, Quicksilver is fighting Apocalypse and Apocalypse like starts breaking his legs and that's actual stakes for this character and stakes don't need to be actual physical harm to your character but there needs to be some semblance of danger and that's the first time there was any actual danger for our main characters and it's something that in a movie is is kind of necessary and so i've i've been blathering on for almost 18 minutes now what outside of this movie feeling really long what what stood out to you as as you were watching with me what worked what didn't work what actually grabbed your attention other than is it still happening
1: yeah i thought that Every time I started, I was try- like, I, my phone was down through the whole thing. Yes, I know. And I was trying to pay attention, and I just kept thinking, oh my gosh, is this ever going to end? Um, Let's well, sit out to me, what, uh, I oh don't know, because I don't have the last movie to pull from like you do.
0: And I don't expect you yeah, to. My, my question but, is, from this movie... Yeah,
1: but I'm just saying, like, you know, because you're comparing, like, Magneto yes.
0: and everything, you know.
1: Um, honestly, I forgot, like, when it first showed him in this, I forgot who he was at first until until this scene where his family gets killed and everything, yes. and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's who that is. Yeah. Um, I did like that... Was it Quicksilver? That yeah. Um. I don't know that it, it kind of stood out to me when he came in and everything, and then he he did mention like, I'm looking for Magneto. I'm his son. Yes. And then at the uh, at the end, it's like he never told him who he was. Yes. Um. I don't know what the point is for storytelling purposes why he didn't tell him, but I feel like that was just kind of powerful. I want to know what the dynamic would be if he would have told him <laughs> so, so I'm like I don't know if that worked or didn't work that he didn't tell him. I don't
0: know so a lot of people have had issue with him not telling him because for him to know and bring it up but not deal with it it's kind of a weird thread to just leave hanging yeah. especially for this movie that tries to wrap up a lot of threads yeah um, and
1: then knowing that he at the beginning of the movie he lost his entire family Mm-hmm. You know, and then, so now he does have this kid out here that he doesn't know about, but
0: yet the kid the kids. When he had so, a chance to tell us. So, Comic Book Magneto is kind of like James Bond, and he was just anything with an outlet. Anything <laughs> that was an outlet, he was sticking his his socket into. And, um, and so he has kids all over the place. But, um, I don't know why. I, I, I honestly don't know. I think think they were thinking maybe we'll do another movie and they did um, it almost didn't come out but uh, we'll talk about that towards the end of this and, and next week when we talk about X-Men Dark Phoenix but this this movie I mean there's even a moment where the kids go to the mall and they, they go to the mall and they go to see Return of the Jedi and as they come out they're talking about the first two movies and they talk about well we can all agree that the third one is the worst and they are making a joke and I don't know whether it's intentional or not but they're making a joke about themselves <laughs> and the joke is that the third movie is always the worst and it's it's sad because compared to the emotional weight of the first two movies this one just doesn't hit I, I walk away from this and I'm like oh that was fun I <laughs> Oh, me too. The movie drags. And there's so much... They could have left Psylocke out. And I love Olivia Munn from her time hosting Attack of the Show. And she's popped up in New Girl and, and a few other things we've watched. And she's she's a great actress with, with great screen presence. But she was just kind of there in this. And and then Storm uh, Storm has two really good moments and then she's just kind of there an Angel a character who has been literally thrown in the garbage twice now in the <laughs> third movie of each of the X-Men X-Men Last Hand and in this one and I'm like man you have such an interesting character and you just kind of threw him away and I'm like why, why, did, why didn't you just leave him until you could you know do an angel story, and I feel like there's this obligation in a lot of comic book movies and TV shows today, uh, especially in 2016 in non Marvel Cinematic Universe things that you have to throw the kitchen sink at it. you've got to throw every reference and every character in and you know maybe maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I, I appreciate some fan service, I really do. But at, at the end of the day, if you're hurting your movie, if if you're hurting the the through line, maybe, maybe don't. And if I sound down down on this, I'm sorry, guys. I it was it was a long movie at at the wrong time of day. I enjoyed so much of the comic bookiness, but. I I hit the problem on this movie that I hit the last time I tried to watch Man of Steel and that is there's about a 45 minute end sequence and it just the pacing is off it just it doesn't grab me with one exception and I want to shout out that one exception so I end on on, on a high note talking about this and that is the introduction of the Phoenix with Jean Grey in this. And that I do like. I really do like Sophie Turner really coming into The Power of the Phoenix. Uh, I wish there was a little bit more setup for it in this movie, but I, I love that. And it's a great moment that sets up a movie that's just kind of okay that we'll talk about next week. But I love that moment because it does actually have some gravitas to it. it it is a great scene um is it earned? I, I don't know but it's it's a good scene and a powerful moment uh, to end it um would I have done this movie differently? 100% yes <laughs> but I've gotten so spoiled between Disney plus shows and on Marvel Cinematic Universe they're putting out four movies a year and maybe they don't tell you the whole story that you want but give them four movies and they'll throw all the pieces in there yeah. and I've gotten so spoiled by that and even DC has they've done Suicide Squad Birds of Prey and Peacemaker and they, they're they kind of setting down this story piece by piece year by year and giving me the pieces that make narrative sense even if the character I want them to follow isn't the one they're following yeah and it's okay because in most of those cases both in the MCU and DCEU they're not telling me the story that I want they're telling me the story that they want to tell and that makes an in- infinitely more interesting story because they're passionate about it and I don't know I this felt obligatory and it's I, I remember talking about that on, on a couple of one or two of the last Pierce Brosnan and James Bond films or, or Spectre it's well we had to do this well, we had to do this and when you have to create art it's like you know some of the worst episodes of this show it's yeah. <laughs> it's kind of boring and and the people doing it don't seem to be having as much fun, and so you don't have as much fun. Um, but those weird moments in this movie where they do appear to be having fun, like the sweet dream sequence, or when Hugh Jackman c- goes plowing through soldiers uh, as Weapon X, those make me perk up and go, wow, okay, you're in here. You weren't in for the setup to this but you're in you're in now and I'm, I'm here for this and so I'm very interested to talk about next week next week we're talking about a different movie by a different director um, that almost didn't come out because Disney bought Fox and they bought Fox right as this thing was wrapping up and guys it's a mess but I've, I remember watching it last year or the year before and maybe it's because nothing else was coming out but I really enjoyed it so, I'm really looking forward to talking about Dark Phoenix next week. It's a very different movie. It's very different feel. It's, guys, it's going to, it's, we're going to have fun. Okay. Um, thanks for hanging with us, babe. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'll tell you what, uh, we'll do a one-off on something you want to watch. Okay. We can even do a Reese Witherspoon movie. Yes. I will do seven pages of comedy on that movie. Um, we got to get through dark Phoenix first. Anyhow, uh, guys, thanks so much for hanging with us. I hope you're having a great and safe winter. Um, make sure you're checking in with friends and loved ones, uh, both us and friends and family we know have come down with COVID and it's been a, it's been a rough winter so far. So make sure you're saying, uh, kind things to the people around you even if you don't love them so much maybe maybe start loving them a little bit more uh be (laughs) be kind to people even if they're not kind to you uh and i'm speaking to myself right now not just to you um (laughs) because i can be the meanest sob son of redette um (laughs) on the road and maybe a little less mean makes the world a better place so guys have a great week be sure to uh check out uh world around you stuff on streaming services and guys find your favorite things have a great week
1: bye ha
0: i got the last word i knew you were gonna try to get the last word i got it